Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran Podcast Holiday Edition. Today we are going to look at the story of the shepherds and Jesus being born. We're going to get an update from one of the most quoted podcast guests we've had all year. And then finally, of course, we're going to end with some great gift ideas that will help you slow down and enjoy life. Let's jump in. If you're like me, you have some holiday parties to go to this wonderful Christmas season. And you probably get sick of bringing the same thing, that same six-pack of beer or bottle of wine. So why not switch it up this year and go to Infinity Beverages, infinitybeverages.com, and get a ready-made cocktail like the Roasted Toasted Almond. You'll be the talk of the party, and people will want to invite you back every single year. Go to infinitybeverages.com. And order yours today, or if you're in the Eau Claire area, stop by their tasting room. That's infinitybeverages.com, proud sponsors of the Jesus Never Ran podcast. Last week, we focused on the Jesus story, Jesus being born, and we focused on his mother, Mary. We talked about the importance of defaulting to belief instead of defaulting to doubt like we tend to do. This week, we're going to talk about the actual time when Jesus was born, and then we're going to look a little bit at a group of people that came to visit Jesus, specifically the shepherds. Now, the story, if we were to read it, is pretty long, and this isn't an audiobook, it's a podcast, so we're just going to paraphrase some things and, and help you jump into it and help you understand it. I'm guessing that most of you, if you've watched the Peanuts special, know the story of Jesus being born. But really what we have is we have Mary and Joseph, and they have to head to their hometown, the town that they were born in, in order for a census to occur. So Mary and Joseph get all the way to Bethlehem and they're knocking on doors and they're going to inns and they're trying to find a place to stay for the night. Now, unlike now, you can't really just get on the phone or hop on the internet and, and book a room. Rooms were hard to come by, especially since everybody was called back to the place where they were born and where they grew up. And so there wasn't any space to stay. And so Jesus ends up being born in a manger. Now, the typical idea of a manger that we get in our heads is the same as what I used to see under my grandma's Christmas tree. And that was this little wooden kind of shed, I guess is the easiest way to say it, a wooden structure with a roof. And then inside it, you'll see Jesus, you'll see Mary and Joseph, and of course, a bunch of animals. Now, some of that is true to form, others of it isn't. It wasn't really a wooden structure. It was more a hole in the side of a wall, kind of like a cave is the easiest way to say it. And so it wasn't necessarily a wooden structure. And so Jesus was born in this little cave area, and for sure there were animals surrounding them, and the rest of it is kind of true to form. So it had been a, a unique situation, but we often look at it through the eyes of our American lens. And if there's one problem we have in trying to understand Jesus and trying to understand our roots of Christianity, it's that we have this tendency to put it in terms that we understand. So we all grew up uh, in a Western mindset. And so we look at this situation and we try to put it in the space that our minds can understand. And to really grasp what was going on, it's important to get out of that mindset so we can grab the truth of, of what's happening. And this story is a great example. So we look at this story and we think, 
boy, what a what an atrocity that Jesus, the savior of the world, would be born in a manger or in this little cave surrounded by animals. How horrible is that? Now, I understand that thinking because, you know, I've got a couple of children and if they would have had to have been born outside, <laughs> that would have been a problem. I wouldn't have liked that very much, but we have to understand that there's so much going on here. There's so much that God was trying to teach us through every moment of Jesus's life. Now, the first thing that I think God is trying to teach us is that when Jesus was on this earth, he was rejected by the vast majority of people that he ran into. Sure, he had a lot of followers, but he probably had more enemies than he did followers. I have a feeling there were more people shouting crucify him than there were following him and listening to his stories. And even those who were listening to his stories and seeing his miracles, many of them were trying to do it with this idea of how do I trap Jesus or who is this guy really? And so part of this idea of Jesus not having a place to actually be born, not having a physical space like an inn or somebody's house, really I think was God's way of just saying right from the very beginning that there will not be a comfortable space for Jesus in this world. Later in the gospel messages, we hear that Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head, so he's really a homeless savior. He didn't even have a place to call home during much of his ministry life. And so I think that was already at play in the very beginning. And so instead of looking at this and saying, what an atrocity that Jesus had to be born where he was, let's keep in mind that God was probably doing that on purpose to explain something, to show something right from the very beginning of Jesus's life. But to put a bit of a silver lining on this as well, we have to also remember that Jesus is the one who created all things. So if we look back and we, we study this a bit, we can see that Jesus was a, a creator and he is who created everything that we can see, including the animals. And so this idea of Jesus being born outside in a stable in this cave surrounded by animals, looking up at the stars, all of that, in so many ways, it makes sense. In my mind, I would think that would almost be a more comfortable space for him to be born than inside some home that was constructed by a human being. So really amazing, I think, that he was outside surrounded by the creation that he actually created. When you look at it that way, it almost seems appropriate as opposed to unfortunate. Now, some of the first people that came to see Jesus were some shepherds. Shepherds were not, I mean, they weren't looked at as like the scum of the earth, but they definitely were not highly esteemed people. They were really important people that had a really important role to play in their culture, but they weren't people of prestige or anything like that. So I think it's phenomenal that Jesus comes into this world in a setting that, at least from a cultural outlook, would not look very good. Yet it seems to make so much sense based on who he is. And then the first people that visited him were not people of high esteem. Now, when we think of a king being born or a prince being born or somebody really important being born, even just a famous person being born in our culture or a child of a famous person, we make this huge deal out of it and everybody knows about it. Well, here the savior of the earth, the savior of the world is born and the people that come visit him are not the kings, are not the rulers, but the shepherds who were in the field, these ordinary people. 
And those ordinary people saw something going on and they went out of their way to figure out what was going on. And they were really the first visitors of the baby Jesus into this world. And again, this has a purpose to it. And I think it's twofold. Number one, Jesus didn't come just for the kings and the rulers of the world. He came for the ordinary people. He came for the sinners. He came for those who are struggling more than anybody else. So it makes sense that ordinary people would come visit him first. But then even beyond that, one really amazing thing is that Jesus so often is referred to as a shepherd. Now, not in the same way that they were shepherds, obviously. He's talking about shepherding people as opposed to shepherding animals. But what a beautiful thing that the shepherds would be the ones that would visit him and then he would so often be talked about as a shepherd. So when we look at this story, just like when you look at every part of Jesus's life, it's really important to look beneath the surface. There is so much going on and we need to get our minds out of our Western thinking and into the thinking of the time that Jesus was being born and into the thinking of how God was actually working through every single aspect of this occurrence. He's not able to find a place at it in on purpose because he was going to be rejected. He's born outdoors and that looks like a bad thing to us, but he's in the midst of all that he created so it seems so appropriate. And then he's visited by shepherds because Jesus came for ordinary people and he was going to be a shepherd to all humanity. Now, speaking of shepherd, or at least people that are really good with animals, one of the very first, actually the very first interview I ever did on Jesus Never Ran was with a couple. It was David and Jessica Yench. And their backstory is they gave up a lot of things that they were doing so that they could be around people that they loved and focus on homesteading and raising their children. So I thought it seemed appropriate that we catch up with our very first first podcast guest and hear what's going on with David and Jessica Yench. As our first podcast guest ever, Dave and Jessica Yench are an incredible couple with an incredible family and they are homesteading, they are living out their dreams, and so I just wanted Dave to get a little update on how things are going at the homestead. So in the past, let's call it nine months, what has been new and exciting with the Yench family? Oh, well, we, one of the biggest highlights, I think, from our last nine months was that our oldest daughter, um, Reagan, got involved in some industry in on the on the farmstead farmstead homestead (laughs) (laughs) spit it out she she spent or she earned some money in babysitting and then bought uh 10 ducks with that money and we raised those ducklings together and we were able to butcher nine of them one of them died for from unknown reasons but the other nine were completely healthy until the day we uh, harvested them, and, and then, it was then they're not really healthy great. anymore. No, no, but they had a really great duck life, and um, actually, one of the really great highlights of that of of that experience is that we were able to um, invite someone to our house who was interested in um, homesteading, and she got to be a part of her first butchering 
which was quite a memorable experience. So it was great. Well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's awesome because I know in that first interview and just from knowing you guys, obviously one of your big goals was not just to homestead yourself and, and not just to do that for your own good, but uh, a big part. And even in the podcast, you talk about this idea of this is what we want our kids to learn while we're doing this. And so how amazing is it that Reagan um, was, was able to go first with that, make an investment, yeah. do something really uh, amazing that she can be proud of and i'm sure you guys are ecstatic and proud for her as well yeah very much and then also we earlier or last year i i bought each of our kids a, a bunny and this is honestly a miracle all of those bunnies are still alive <laughs> and <laughs> they're really good at uh sharing responsibility in that and they're doing well so that's really awesome Yes, and for those of you who are listening who homesteading and farming is not something you're used to or familiar with, just keeping animals alive is <laughs> the biggest challenge. It, it really is, unfortunately. Yes, we, we are down from, uh, I think we had a total of eight chickens, and now we're down to zero right now, zero. Oh. <laughs> but in our defense, in our defense, only seven of them died and we gave the eighth one away. So we only lost seven, Dave. So we're not as bad as that sounds. What percentage is that? It's not as good as your percentage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what else is new? What else is going on on the farm or just in life in general? Oh, um, we are, we're still working on the house. Um, still working on fencing and I, I put a whole bunch of time and, and money into improving our shed which was a huge um, deal to in in attempt to help keep those animals alive um, our youngest son is now potty trained which is awesome that's maybe the biggest miracle of all that's a big deal he's doing really great he's 18 months old and he's a, he's a rock star that's awesome and and then um, Jessica and I are um, on staff at, at our church and that is going really well as the worship leaders. So yes. So you, you life went, is good. Yeah, because you went from having to work outside of your home in a job that you weren't overly excited about to now really everything you do is something that you're passionate about. Yes. That is a big deal. Yep. And it worked out super awesome because I am I'm on staff part time and Jessica's on staff part time. So I'm able to spend a lot more time um, tending to the needs of the homestead, which is a huge, huge thing. That is super exciting. And then uh, what do you have on the horizon? I know, I, I know when we first talked, a lot of it was about dreams that you had, and, and so many of those have, had, have actually come true in this first year since we talked. Uh, what are some things you're looking forward to in the next decade? Because you know we're going into 2020 here. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, I I think the biggest thing for for us is trying to take the next step in this homesteading and start trying to get past the just keeping stuff alive um, and getting to the now we are providing like food for our family through garden and and meat and dairy. And then even past that to how, how can we start um, uh, providing for other people and, and maybe make some money with it as well. But 
just kind of taking the next step in that instead of just surviving, but become more thriving. I think that would be a big, big goal for the next decade. And then uh, what does Christmas on a homestead look like? Oh, this is awesome. We are going to harvest. I, I say harvest because Jessica doesn't like it when I use the word butcher. And especially <laughs> not when I use the same not thing. when I use the word slaughter. Okay, so no <laughs> slaughter. slaughter is right no, out. So we're harvesting something. <laughs> yes. We are going to harvest um, one of the goslings that hatched out from our own geese. That uh, is amazing. Now a full grown goose. So we are going to have a Christmas goose on our homestead. And Christmas Day we're just staying home, not going anywhere, which is a, a tradition that we've started. That is so amazing. And for those of you who are listening and are thinking, I could never harvest an animal for my meal. Well, everybody's eating a harvested something. So (laughs) I think the way that Dave and Jessica do it is probably a lot more uh, humane, sustainable, and beautiful. Yeah, I hope so. I I think so. That's that's part of why we do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not harvesting anything, but... I'm glad that well, you're you do. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I'm going to harvest maybe. some some wood for my fireplace, maybe. Okay, yeah, that works. If you want to hear more of David and Jessica Yench's story, hop back to the Jesus Never Ran podcast number two. Also, I'll make sure to put their blog information in the show notes of this podcast as well. Well, just like we did last week, I want to end each holiday podcast, each of the final three holiday podcasts with some great gift ideas. The reality is this, far too many of us end up going through the holiday season, we get to a certain point and we're so tired and we're so worn out from all the gift giving and the hustle and bustle. And then we get to this point where we find ourselves in a store looking for something for somebody and we're just ready to be done. So we just pick some random thing off of a shelf. It's kind of a formality because we give it to them and they may or may not act excited, but probably it's not something that they're going to hang on to for any length of time. And so it really doesn't mean much of anything. So I want to give some gift ideas, but not just normal gift ideas, things that would really help you enjoy life. And probably more importantly, things that are really going to help you slow down. So last week I gave, I think it was four different book ideas because what better way to slow down than with a good book? It can't get any better than that. Now, many of you who are listening to this podcast are from areas of this world where it snows a lot. For those of you who are in Wisconsin, Minnesota, the Midwest, it snows. I mean, here we are in Wisconsin and we've got a lot of snow already and it's not even the first of the year. So one of the most important things that we can do is figure out how do we enjoy this weather? Because if we don't enjoy it, it will get us down so fast. So one gift that we got a while back were some snowshoes. My parents actually bought us some snowshoes. And what a great way to slow down, to walk through nature and just enjoy life. The great thing about it is it could be cold outside, but you get going with some snowshoes and it warms you right up. So you're in creation, you're enjoying a hike and the cold isn't getting to you. So a couple mornings ago, 
I got up really early uh, to help my daughter get off to work and you know, I'm not going to go back to bed. And so I grabbed my coat and I grabbed my snowshoes and I went out for a hike. It was minus five when I went outside and within 10 minutes of my hike, I was sweating. So a great gift idea is just a pair of snowshoes. I got the great opportunity to watch the sunrise while the moon was still up behind me. It was spectacular and it was such a great way to enjoy life, to enjoy God and to just really breathe in everything around me. And let me tell you, I wasn't thinking about anything else other than that incredible snowshoe hike. So you can get snowshoes just about anywhere you look. You can find them online. If you want to go to the Crazy Loon, check out their website. That's my parents' store, so that'd be a great place to get them. And then this year, just to take it up one more notch from my parents, we got some cross-country skis. Same idea. Great way to get outside. Great way to get some exercise. Such an incredible gift idea for anyone who really wants to take advantage of and enjoy the winter months in the Midwest. So there you go, a couple of great gift ideas, some snowshoes, some cross-country skis, and then don't just get them and leave them in your basement. Make sure that you schedule at least once a week when you're getting out there and using them. For those of you who are couples that are listening to this, what a great thing to do together. So grab some snowshoes, grab some cross-country skis, enjoy the great outdoors, allow yourself to slow down and just take it all in. Well, that's it for this third of four holiday podcasts. Join me next week as we talk about the wise men how God would choose to use some of the strangest people you would ever think to do something extraordinary. And of course, another update from one of our Jesus Never Ran guests and some more gift ideas. We will see you next week. Bought me a diamond ring for Christmas. Now I feel like I'm living in paradise. Each day we are reminded of the role our faith plays in our lives. But does it play a role in our finances as well? Now, for the members of Thrivent Financial, it does. For over a century, Thrivent has been helping Christians blend faith, finances, and generosity. Because it's not just about making more, it's about doing more for your family, your church, and community. Learn more about Thrivent's unique mission by calling Kathy Jensen, Thrivent Financial Representative at 715-231-1662. Disclosures, licensed agent, producer of Thrivent Financial, marketing name for Thrivent Financial for Lutherans, registered representative of Thrivent Investment Management Incorporated, thrivent.com slash disclosures.